In just a few days, on May the 17th, Rhonda will bring to mind once again the darkest moment in its living memory. 57 years ago, 31 men died in an underground explosion in the Cambrian Colliery in Clydach Vale. May the 17th, 1965. It was the day the mine's rescue team from Dinas sped up Court Street. Too late. The day that Wern Street was filled with the sirens of ambulances. The day when women waited silently for news at the pit head. The day when hope failed for so many. And night came with no comfort. I have a memory of that day. I was just seven years old in 1965, playing at school dinner time out the back of our house on Tillacalin Road in Penagraig. I heard a bang and went in and asked my mother about it. Now I was at least a mile as the crow flies away from the pit. Could I really have heard the explosion? As a grown-up, it's always seemed unlikely to me. But after I spoke about this in an episode of John on the Ronda this time last year, others, who were safe above ground in Midronda that afternoon, got in touch to tell me that they'd heard it too. This year, as we remember Cambrian, I want to honour the memories of those who died and those who worked there and survived the disaster by talking about what the colliery was like as a workplace. The tough times and the back-breaking work, the camaraderie too, the jokes and the pranks that were played. Go and fetch a bucket of steam, one new canteen worker was told. The joshing and the black humour, what Max Boyce called the laughter midst the fear. And I'm able to picture all these things thanks to Bill Richards. Bill began work in Cambrian as a boy in 1955 and he stayed until the colliery closed in 1966. Then he left the coal industry and sold carpets from a showroom on Tonopandi Square, which is how many Rhonda people will know him. Bill Richards has remained faithful to the memory of his Cambrian comrades, a driving force in the creation of a memorial garden at the Cambrian site and in the memorial ceremonies held on the anniversary of the disaster, including on the 50th anniversary, when he spoke alongside the First Minister, Carwin Jones. Bill has also published a marvellous collection of his memories in three books, and he was instrumental in drawing together the experiences of a host of his fellow workers for a pamphlet entitled Cambrian Voices, which was issued by the Big Pit National Coal Museum, in 2015. What's striking in that pamphlet is the warmth of fellow feeling, the sense that Cambrian was a special pit with a unique identity, with the overwhelming majority of its workforce living very close by. As someone who's never worked underground myself or in any job of physical labour, it's an eye-opener to realise how commonplace accidents were, how men faced on a daily basis the likelihood of serious injury or worse. Listen, here are the words of Mirthin Pritchard describing his work in an underground district called Deep Seven. We used puncher picks to bring the coal down, then filled it out on the conveyor belt. Our stents, our working places, were about 12 feet long by 5 feet in depth. It was hard, as I was quite small when I started, less than 10 stone. At first we used timber supports, then changed to steel later. The steel posts used to spring out but the roof was reasonably stable, 
and used to hold up for quite a long way above the gob. One day I was having food in the gob, and a post sprang out and smacked me on the knee. Very painful. I also did my back in, which is what I'm still suffering from today. The understated nature of Mirthin's comments hammer home the reality. Imagine taking your lunch break under millions of tons of rock with a roof a couple of feet above your head that was just reasonably stable. Here's another collier, Trevor Ward, who worked in Cambrian with his father and two brothers. My father worked as a gaffer haulier until he was 72 and he didn't want to finish then. I lost a finger when I caught it between two drams, and an eye when a joint on the blast pipe broke. When I lost my eye, I was put on a bus on my own to go down to the doctors. When I started back to work, the manager told me to take a job at number one pit bottom. Later, when I went to claim compensation for the loss of my finger, I was told that I wouldn't get anything because I was working illegally, as I shouldn't have been down the pit with only one eye. Joe Smith, born in County Durham, came to the Rhondda having fallen in love with a young woman from Clitterfield when she was in service in London. He never forgot his first day at Cambrian. I was sent with a set of turners who moved the coal-faced conveyor forward every day after the coal shift had finished. The leader of the turners said, Go up the tension end, Joe. So I went up the face and on my way back, a slab of stone slid out and hit me on the back of the head. My finger was hanging off and I had four teeth knocked out. A lovely introduction to Cambrian Colliery. I was out for three weeks, but they paid me compensation, fair play. They paid him compensation, fair play. <sighs> Many others among Bill Richards' colleagues talk about not getting compensation, no matter how much dust they had in their lungs. An experience shared by my own grandfather, Di Clidach, a face worker at Lewis Merthyr. Bill Richards himself has become a kind of custodian of the collective memory of the Cambrian colliery. As I said, he's published three whole volumes of his own reminiscences. Coal, Carpets and Coyers, Cambrian Colliery and Connections, and finally, Jest Coal. Bill's recall is pen-sharp, and the books are alive with incidents and accidents, sports days and gala days, workers and shirkers, with fabulous names like Digger and Porty, Will Jinks, Tommy Rock, and Johnny Salvation. One of my favourites amongst the scores of stories that Bill recalls is about a collier called Harry Jones. Harry seems to be taken ill at the coalface one day. There's a suggestion, maybe I'm reading too much into this, that Harry is exaggerating things to get off shift early. Anyway, the fireman, Mog Dow, is called. Mog insists that if Harry's ill, he has to be stretchered back to the surface. Harry protests a little too much, but he's forced onto the stretcher, covered in blankets, and carried off towards the pit bottom. On the way, the stretcher party comes across a large pool of water flooding the roadway. The inevitable happens. The lead man loses his footing, another bearer stumbles. Harry takes a tumble into the water. Cue profuse swearing and loud groans from a soaked Harry. It was several days later before Harry was seen at the colliery again, 
in the canteen collecting his pay. "'How are you feeling, Bert?' asked one of the stretcher-bearers. <coughs> "'Rough! Blimmin' <coughs> rough!' croaks Harry. "'If Mog had let me walk out, I wouldn't have this blimmin' cold!' And with his right hand throwing open the left side of his top coat to expose that arm in a sling, he added, "'Or a couple of cracked ribs!' I couldn't possibly represent properly, in a short podcast like this, the wealth of lived experience Bill Richards captures so adroitly in his books. But if you're interested, and you should be, you can track Bill down via the Cam Bryan Memorial Facebook page. On that page too there are details of this year's memorial ceremony, the first full ceremony since the onset of the pandemic. It's at the Cambrian Memorial Park at 12.30pm on May the 17th. I'm John Geraint Roberts. Join me for another trip down Memory Terrace next time in John on the Ronda. <laughs>